In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's game day. It's a Monday. It's crazy. It feels like we're always playing on Monday these days. And I'm here with Ian Right, Right, Right. Ian, how are you? I am good. Excited for our showdown on Monday night against the San Francisco 49ers, buddy. Mate, you're going to be on back-to-back, mate. You're on before and after the game, so it's going to be awesome, mate. I know. It, it's, it's a good thing. You're such a busy man. It's hard to pin you down to you know, get one of the weekday shows going in. <laughs> it's a solid slate. But if I'm correct, let's do my international clock. It's 5.30 in San Fran at the moment. Is that right? That is correct. 5.39 in the morning. Do you reckon the Brown players would be up at this time? Yeah. No, probably not. No, they mate, their body. Meetings six, seven, they're probably getting up, I would say, for the, uh, for the, because we'll see, kicks off eight Eastern, which is five Pacific. So, yeah, I would say they'll probably be up here in the next two hours or so. As an international traveler, time zone guy, they'll be up, mate. The, the body clocks won't be able to adjust that short. They'll be, uh, they'll be up ready to go. They'll be. Well, let's hope that they, uh, they wake up ready to play then. Let's hope they're waking up feeling dangerous because I thought last week was one of the biggest games of our season where this game, I think, is going to be a huge test. This is going to be a real gauge stick of are we ready for the playoffs? It, it really is. And if Browns fans actually got to watch some football yesterday, we saw that Baltimore had a little bit of um, a hangover going into Pittsburgh but was still able to pull it out. So we need to win this game to stay ahead in the division. Um, not sure Baltimore deserved that win. They actually played pretty garbage. I watched the entire game. Um, but we need to go out there, handle our business in San Francisco, and then get right back to Cleveland and uh, get ready for the Seahawks next week. So big game. They can't overlook it. Um, we're going into the game relatively healthy, which is good. Um, so no reason. I know the Browns are a little bit on the uh, underdog side when it comes to the Vegas uh, odds, but I'm thinking they're a little misplaced on this one. I think the Browns are the better team and um, hopefully can prevail victorious uh, tonight. And what is Vegas? Minus six at the moment? It's been balancing between minus five, minus six in San Francisco. Um, not 100% sure how that's – I can't see it moving that much when the final injury reports come out. None of the names on there are too significant, a.k.a. quarterbacks. But, yeah, we're just under a touchdown underdogs. Three points for the home team, so – even on a neutral site, they're saying that the 49ers are about a field goal better, which I think they may be misplaced on that one. I know the secondary is a bit bleak in the San Fran, but tell us a little bit more, Ian. What, what do you know about the 49ers? So the 49ers are really built off of their front. So I, watched, I went back and watched them play Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago because they were on bye last week. So the 49ers have, in essence, six D linemen that they rotate through. Five of them are first-round picks. So, D. Ford was their big free agent signing they got from Kansas City. Um, he was a first-round pick out of Auburn. Um, inside, they use a guy, D.J. Jones and DeForest Buckner. Uh, a lot of Browns fans may remember Buckner. 
Um, he's in his sixth season out of Oregon. Uh, I believe it was the number seven overall pick in the draft that year. Edge, they have two guys that they kind of rotate. Eric Armstead, another first-round pick out of Oregon. And then Buckeyes fans are very familiar with Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa was their top pick this year. So he is a guy, he's got a little bit of an ankle thing right now. That's why they have that five man. But their sixth guy is Solomon Thomas, who is a kind of a three to five technique guy out of Stanford. He was taking several picks after Miles Garrett. So Miles Garrett went number one overall. Then the Bears traded up to get Trubisky. The 49ers then took Solomon Thomas. So a lot of these names Browns fans should be familiar with. Um, but San Francisco likes to get pressure with their front four and drop eight. Um, one of the things is, is their secondary is probably the thinnest in their, um, on their team. Now they are likely getting Jimmy Ward back. He was a first round pick a few years ago. So he might be coming back and playing um, one of their safety positions. Um, Akella Weatherspoon is going to be out. So they've already ruled him out. So that kind of takes them down another corner. Uh, Richard Sherman is their most named corner. Um, Richard in his later years isn't exactly the speed guy he used to be. So my guess is you're not going to see a lot of really, you know, man concepts on the outside tonight. I just, I, I primarily see them going with a zone concept, you know, rushing four, dropping seven and just saying, Hey, you know, how well can we navigate our offense through their defense? Because really their only named linebacker that really anyone's probably heard of is Quan Alexander. He was a free agent signing from Tampa Bay. He's been injured the last couple of years. Um, good in coverage, very much a speed guy. Um, I think it really gives the Browns the opportunity to exploit that. Do you think player for player, Browns got a better roster? Yes, I would say... The 49ers, they pride themselves on their offensive line and defensive line. Um, the 49ers right now, I believe, have only given up two sacks on the entire season. Now, fair to be fair, they've only played three games. They had a week four bye. And they've played some lesser opponents um, in the sense of, you know, they've gotten lucky to play the Bengals, who we've seen aren't very good. And we've seen they played the Steelers, which unfortunately they're not very good. Um, so pound for pound, we have more talent. Um, but they're good where it counts, and that's why they're able to win these ugly games. I mean, they turned the ball over five times against Pittsburgh and still won. So that kind of just shows you that even, you know, a good com a, a team with a good level of competition probably takes better advantage of the five turnovers and puts them away pretty convincingly. Now, were you a big uh, Jimmy G fan when the Browns were after him? So – Ironically enough, I, I met Jimmy Garoppolo. This is a story for another day. I won't get into it. But I actually went to the 2014 Senior Bowl, and um, Jimmy was there. So I had uh, some credentials that allowed me to get on the field. So I actually met D Ford. I got to meet Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, there's actually an ironic picture I have of me and uh, Peter Schrager doing a post-practice interview with uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. But He's that smart guy. He's not, to me, somebody that I think you can really give that franchise money to. I think he's a good game manager. I don't really see him in being a guy that's going to just go out and win games. And I really think that when you watch their offense, it kind of shows that. They are really built around the run game. I mean, Browns fans are very familiar with Kyle Shanahan. He was here in 2014, ran that offense. We were uber successful running the ball. Then Alex Mack got hurt, and then the season went down the toilet very quick. So the offense is predicated really on 
the 49ers ability to run the ball. Now that is where Jimmy is going to succeed. If he doesn't have that run game to build the play action off of, he's just not that successful. He can't go out and win you those games. So that's where I think that I would say he's probably your middle tier type of quarterback, but he doesn't have the upside. Someone like Baker Mayfield has, but did you want him in uh, the Browns? I did not. I knew that they wanted to trade for him. Um, I just didn't think the value to what you were giving up was worth uh, him. I thought it was a lot better just to go out and find somebody that maybe had a little bit more upside. Yeah, because I got to admit, I was, uh, he was one player that I wanted to go for and I was willing to, uh, yeah, trade a, uh, a second or, a, yeah, or even potentially a first for him because mm-hmm. I thought he could be that first round franchise um, uh, quarterback. Well, you remember the Browns fans, we were really desperate to get somebody that was better than what we had. So it was one of those things where, you know, he was the the prettiest girl at the party, you know, but not necessarily. Literally as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is a good-looking guy. I'll say that much. So I think it was just one of those things where he was the best option out there. So that's why Browns fans were really drawn to him. Can you remember where he got drafted? Yeah, he was a uh, second-round pick out of Eastern Illinois. Um, Patriots took him at the back end of the second uh, in that 2014 draft. So he he was a guy they really just wanted to develop. High IQ guy, accurate thrower, not elite athleticism. Um, you know, I'd say he him and Baker probably from a mobility standpoint have the same uh, capabilities. I just think uh, Baker has a little bit more of a lively arm with similar accuracy. But, I mean, Jimmy's offense is run, 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 play action, and then hit one over the top to Marquise Goodwin. It's, it's not the most, you know, Patrick Mahomes, you know, high-flying uh, backyard football. And the 49ers got a second pick for him, so it's quite like for like. Yeah, it was pretty much that. It was a, it was a Duke Johnson-esque trade where you give up what you got. I've checked out the stadium. In my eyes, it's quite similar to the Brown Stadium. Would you agree or...? Yeah, well, their stadium's actually out in Santa Clara, so it's not in San Francisco. It's probably about 45 minutes outside of the city. Um, it's really the only thing that's kind of out that way. I've yet to be to the new stadium. Been to San Francisco a few times. Um, been to Candlestick, but I have not been to the new stadium. Um, so I would say it's probably a little bit nicer than First Energy, given that it's a little newer. Um, but it is kind of out there, very like um, the Patriots stadium. So that is kind of way up there in Foxborough, which is uh, about 40, 45 minutes north of Boston. It looks like gaps in the stadium. Where I was last night at uh, Tottenham Hotspurs, it's like all perfectly round, all built. But yeah, it seems there's a few gaps maybe kicking. The wind could be quite a big uh, thing. The specialists will definitely have their their work come out for them. I think anybody who's been to San Francisco, (laughs) I don't know if you've been, but if you go down by the... uh, by the bay, it is quite windy. I mean, I know that pilots even have trouble sometimes stabilizing as they're coming in. You got to have a special training class to come in on that airport. So the wind can definitely howl there in the Bay Area. So, you know, it could it could spell well for the Scottish Hammer if the uh, if the wind's at his back, or it could be nightmares for Austin Cybert if it's going side to side. But luckily, both kickers um, will have to deal with the same things, and the Niners have a good one themselves in Robbie Gold. So. And mate, while we're talking about Scottish Hammer, do you think it's amazing that he's got two now special team players of the week? Well, he just did one AFC uh, special teams player of the month. So, ah. 
Yeah, that was a uh, a nice accomplishment for the young lad. So, and actually, did I think I heard that he's did Colquitt get that award a lot or not? No, the Browns have not had an AFC Special Teams Player of the Month. Uh, I do believe in about a decade. I think it was 2009 was the last time we had that. So, I think Colquitt may have won Player of the Week, but Hammer having the lowest return rate and all those nice fun punting statistics. I won't bore people with. Uh, got him the AFC Player of the Month. What score are you going to go with? I I foresee this being a, a higher scoring game. The Niners were without their left tackle, Joe Staley. Um, so they're going to have a fill in there. I do want to say that their sack uh, numbers that they've given up on the year are probably going to go up a little bit. They haven't really faced a front four quite like the Browns have. Um, I see a score being closer to maybe that 31-21 Browns. Um, I see this there being some points put up in this game uh, if I'm not mistaken the over under somewhere in the high 40s so somebody's expecting a little bit of points but yeah, I'm going 31-21 and it sounds like Brown's full strength a wide receiver yeah for the first time we're going to have the full slate I, I don't know if you saw but uh, the Browns put Willie Harvey on IR um, so that's going to open up the slot for Callaway but I see you know Lamb Greedy and um, Denzel Ward are going to be three that are probably out the other ones will probably just be matchup-based guys. We may see Avery down, Corbett down, one of the guys like that down. Um, but, yeah, so for the most part, full strength in the wideout core. Um, it's just it's going to be tough for the, uh, the Niners secondary. What time today do you think we'll get the injury list? If I'm not mistaken, it has to come out, I think, three or four hours before kickoff, if I'm not mistaken. The Niners, just to give you people a little bit of background on their running backs, they have two guys, Raheem Mostert and Matt Breida, um, both have rushed for over 200 yards this season. You're going to notice that tonight the Niners are going to come out and really try to establish the run. So Kyle Shanahan runs this zone blocking scheme. And in essence, what he does is every play is mimicked off of another. So you're going to see toss sweeps to the right. You're going to see wham plays up the middle. You're going to see the 49ers really try to establish the run. That's how they build the play action to a guy like George Kittle. You know, I know a lot of fantasy people last year went, how does this tight end have so many catches? Well, what happens is if you have undisciplined linebackers that cheat up on the play action, all of a sudden it's wide open in behind them. So the Browns need to be really disciplined tonight on, you know, minding their marks and finding out. I know Demarius Randall really talked about it, is looking for their keys. But, you know, in that zone blocking scheme, I mean, Kyle Shanahan went out and specifically signed Weston Richburg, the center from the Giants, because he needs that athletic center, a la Alex Mack in 2014. You really need to have a guy that's able to move in space. So we're going to see a lot of linemen moving. You know, one of the reasons they probably do give up a few number of sacks is because if they can get ahead of the game with their running game, it's really hard to rush the passer because they're just going to pound the rock at you. So Browns need to do a good job getting their offense early, getting out to a lead, and then from there, taking away San Francisco's ability to really run the ball and hit you with a play action. Because if you're down 20-21, nobody's biting on a play action. So the Browns really need to get ahead of this game. I'd like to see them come out and really set the tone in the first quarter. And then from there, I think it's going to make the second half a lot easier. Because then we can take a guy like Nick Chubb and just pound the life out of him. Mate, that'd be lovely. Taking a lead at halftime and then just running it out. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Well, the 49ers won a few teams, and uh, I don't know if Browns fans know this. Their fullback, Kyle Juszczyk, actually a Medina kid, went to Cloverleaf. So he's familiar with the area. But, I mean, he's a Pro Bowl fullback. So, you know, the Tony Grossi-loving uh, fullback club is really going to enjoy watching him tonight because 
that they are really traditional football, a lot of eye formation, um, you know, a lot of big personnel, and they just, they'll just keep running. He does not give up on the run. I think I'm going to go with a 28-20 in Browns win. Well, I'm, I don't know if you know, so the Browns actually have an all-time winning record against the Niners. So let's Ooh, I didn't know that, Ian. Yeah, I think the Browns are 12-7 and all-time against the Niners. Uh, the last time we played them was 2015. Uh, so Johnny was our quarterback. We, went, uh, we won that one 24-10. I believe the Browns have won the last four. So karma is on our side. But, you know, one of the things that I think the Browns – really and it's just the strangest stat in the world to me is you know we've only scored what 26 points on our home games and yet we've scored 63 combined points on the road it's just it's amazing to me how the browns offense has like a a two-sided face you know when going on the road so what do you think that is though because we've won three away games is that correct no we've won two away games or about to win the third that's right in so um yeah we, we just, and we haven't won anything at home yet. Something doesn't seem right there. It, it's, I think, one of those things that's a product of the teams you play. Obviously, Tennessee um, yesterday was in a real barn burner with Buffalo. They lost 14-7. to seven. Not the most high-powered offense, but they have a pretty good defense. And then, so if you think about it, the home teams were the Rams and the Titans, even though the Rams' defense has been absolutely scorched the last couple of weeks. Um, but... I think the away teams being the fence, it was the Ravens and the Jets. It's probably a little bit skewed. Um, the Niners have a good, not great defense. Um, so I'll be curious to see if they can continue that trend uh, on the road. But if you, th- if you look at the back half of our schedule, some of those home games I think are going to be some quite, offensive, uh, some quite offensive shows. Let's take, our, let's take the conversation across the pond because you, I believe, were at that game, correct? Yeah, it was the first game at uh, the Tottenham Stadium. I don't know if, how much you guys get told or get educated, but we've played normally at Wembley. We've played a few games at Twickenham. And last night we're playing at basically the Tottenham Hotspurs, the Spurs Stadium, where the NFL have, I think, signed a 12-year deal for two games every year and built a stadium for football, soccer, and American football. Do you know who the ownership group of Tottenham is? How did they get, how did they get that done? Um, NFL UK's part of the, obviously the NFL is a bit like a franchise itself, self-run business. So yes, yeah, so they would have been negotiating with stadiums. Obviously Wembley's been up for sale, bit of uncertainty. The Jags owner was trying to buy it. You know, we hear so many stories over here about Wembley. But it seemed like Wembley's 92,000 and the game I went to last night was 60,000. So Wembley's half the time big size bigger than the Spurs stadium. So uh, it's kind of like a Super Bowl, maybe potential location. Yeah, and you guys got another game coming this Sunday too, correct? Um, Panthers versus the Bucks. Yeah, that'll be good. I'm, all, I'm away for that, that, so I'm not going to be watching it there. I'm actually away for all the London games now. So, um, but here's a question. And I stuck up for the Americans with this question yesterday. On the way back to the Tube, there were some fans saying, one day we think the Super Bowl will be in England. And I said, hands down, it's never, ever going to happen. No way would America ever give up their national competition, their number one thing. It's just never going to happen, is it? 
I don't see that. I, that would be, I mean, given the amount of money, just sheer advertising revenue dollars that goes into that, I don't see it happening. I mean, that is a cash cow. I mean, the Super Bowl now is really more of a corporate event anyways. I mean, for fans to get to the Super Bowl, it's astronomically expensive. Um, so yeah, I don't see all the dignitaries uh, really kind of giving up that corporate, that corporate event. They may put other things over there, but the Super Bowl, not so much. The uh, compromise was the, the Pro Bowl to come to uh, London. So uh, well, That I could see. Nobody, the, the Pro Bowl is <laughs> insignificant. You can have that. But then on the flip side, who would think that NFL would be pl being played internationally or the baseball being played in internationally now? So um, everything does change. But yeah, um, yeah, I was very strong with the Americans. I said, it's not happening. Yeah. Money talks. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to walk to England in that sense. Yeah. But, but going oh, back to the... You want to share about the, uh, the NFL UK? I know you got a chance to meet the largest man in the NFL. Uh, oh, I met um, Mr. Trent Brown. Brown. Yeah, Trent Brown meets Paul Brown. The only difference is about uh, what two and half a half the weight, two half and a half weight, double the weight. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, three hundred eighty pounds. Yeah, I can't keep saying this, but I met him. He's such a nice guy. I said it about Greg Williams, but uh, Trent Brown is such a nice guy. He's like a big cuddly bear. Um, yeah, obviously, I said to him, uh, "Were the Browns after you in the summer?" And he said, "No." So uh, take yeah, it or leave it. Yeah. If there's any smoke with no fire or whatever there, but yeah, he, he said that. And um, uh, I met George Atkinson. The dad he, of former Browns running back, George Atkinson the third. You could have told me that before I met him, but yeah, he had no idea about the Browns. He was like oblivious. I was like, so, you know, how are the Browns going to do? He goes, like, just got no idea. So yeah. My son doesn't take a check from him anymore. I have no idea. Do you know who's some place for now? I don't think he's in the league. I think he was uh, a, a practice squad guy we had in 2016. Uh, got up for a couple games, did a couple kick returns. He was actually with Oakland, then came over. You know, he, he dabbled for a little bit in that 2016 season when we uh, went 1-15 or whatever it was. So nobody you're going to write home about. Yeah, it was a great weekend. You have all the legends in London meeting fans. As I said to um, some fans, it is a great weekend. If you're a Browns fan you may never get the opportunity to meet Jim Brown, for example. You come to London and then you get a chance to meet Jim Brown, which is ironic. You're in Cleveland where he's based as well. Comes across to the UK, you've got Jimmy and Dee in the pub pulling pints for two hours, giving away free beer. Jimmy, uh, uh, Cribs was there, Hamford was there. You know, any fan could go up and get a photo with him. It's just semi-Super Bowl-like that is a great weekend. And uh, I think anyone who travels from the States over has an absolute amazing time. Well, I will make sure next time the Browns head out to London, uh, I'll make sure I head across the pond and, uh, and check that out. Because I think that'd Mate, be There'll be a spare bed waiting for you. But awesome. there's one interesting thing, and I'm going to ask Jack to do some research on this for me, is the Raiders came over on Tuesday and the Bears came over on Friday. The stats have got to be so much more heavier if you come over in advance, a higher chance of a win. We'll find out. I, that I did not know. So, Yeah, so obviously being in the UK, we know when players come over. We see them in the news. They've landed. And it always seems to be that the uh, team that came the earliest seems to win the game. Hey, well, look at that. There you go, Jack. There's your mission for the day. Um, 
Ian, last thing, how did the game look on uh, TV for you? Very good. I mean, honestly, because I had the Bears on one TV and um, the Steelers on the other TV, and it, it sounded loud. I mean, it, it, it honestly did. It sounded like there was a lot of energy in the stadium, um, you know, kind of a little bit boring of a first half. I know the Bears offense, you know, pretty much did diddly un until the, uh, the second half. Then Allen Robinson decided he was going to pick it up and hurt me in a fantasy league. So thank you, Mr. Robinson. Um, but overall, I mean, the field, the field looked like it was in good shape. The, you know, the sound came through really well. The fans were pretty into it. They were panning the audience and they were showing, I mean, jerseys from probably all 32 teams. I even mentioned uh, my fiance. I said, hey, you know, maybe we'll see Paul because, you know, with your jacket, you stand out like a sore thumb. So uh, I was looking and they didn't show you, unfortunately. No TV celebrity for you today. But uh, no, yeah. it looked good and the experience looked great on TV. Yeah, it's a really good point. It's a chance where probably the only place in the world where you can have all 32 teams in a stadium, all of your jerseys on all positive, all happy, eight out of 10 understand what's going on. Yeah, it was interesting because like every time there was a score, you heard kind of the same level of cheering. You're yeah, like, yeah. Like, yeah. oh, we got a touchdown. Yay. Who scored? Uh, Jacobs? Who's that guy? Yeah. So, yeah, we, you do obviously get the, uh, the London local who wants to be experienced. And uh, I said to my friend, it's great that, you know, they're taking part and they're learning and they're understanding more and more about the game. I sat next to, this will make you sick, I sat next to a guy and I said, you understand what's going on? He goes, I've got no idea. I said, do you know who the quarterback is? He goes, no. I'm like, I didn't say it, but like, you need to know a little bit about the basics before you go to a game. Yeah, well, his money spends the same. But yeah, the, the last thing I was going to uh, say is, this is the only sad thing about the, Ameri uh, the English games is that the Raiders were the home team, but the Bears were louder. And the, the Raiders came out and they were booed because there was more Bears fans than Raiders. And that's the only sad thing is that obviously Chicago is a hub to London, uh, British Airways, American Airways, just lots and lots of flights every day. Coming from all the way over the West Coast, all the way to London, it's a lot harder to do. And there wasn't so many Raiders fans in the stadium. And I felt a bit sorry for that. And that's why I wanted the Raiders to win. And they got the win, so. Well, good. It's one of those weird things, I'm sure, you know, more people are able to make that flight. Um, I think from a revenue standpoint, it's probably the only reason, because if I'm not mistaken, there's something to do with revenue on that home team versus the away team, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure the Bears are, you know, going to be crying spilled milk over, you know, the number of fans over there. I mean, given the, our offensive performance, they probably should have been booed. Yeah. Have the Bears are not making excuses. They lost because they went to London. I'll probably get chastised for saying this, but Bears fans are Cleveland fans in the same in Chicago. I mean, they they complain about the same things. I mean, it's 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 very similar. You know, everybody says all oh, Browns fans are you Bears fans complain the same. I, I I once when the Bears traded for Khalil Mack, and I won't use his name, but I once had a Bears fan tell me, "Yeah, but what about our center?" So he, the Bears had just traded for the defensive player of the year. And the comment was, well, yeah, what about our center? We don't have Olin Kruitz. So, yeah. hey. I like the Bears as an NFC team led by Cleveland guy Mitch Trubisky. But, you know, the fans are pretty much the same as Aaron Cleveland. Just not all, right. As all right, Ian. Well, between now and the game, I need to get some sleep. I'm going to go for a sleep strategy 
sleep as soon as I get home, wake up about midnight, and then uh, get ready to watch the game. How about yourself? Are you watching at home? So I am actually going to be heading to work. As you know, it's quite early in the morning here. So I'll be heading to work. And then I am actually driving to Louisville, Kentucky today. So I will be watching the game in Louisville, Kentucky. Mate, you, tra- you, you travel a lot, don't you? You travel more than me. Oh, no, that's impossible. No, no chance. You, have more, you get more frequent flyer miles in a week than I do in a year. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ian, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. I yeah. look forward to speaking to you in a few hours' time when the game's over. Absolutely. Go Brownies. Go Browns. Big win tonight.